This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit, money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit, money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT with your home improvement question, your do-it-yourself dilemma. If you've started a project and got stuck, remember our motto, anything worth starting is worth starting over with us. 888-666-3974. Coming up today, we're going to talk kitchens. It's probably the room that you might spend the most time in, but if it's not set up right, it could be giving you a pretty major workout. We're going to have some design tips to help you save all that heavy lifting in just a bit. Plus, are the dings, dents, and scratches in your hardwood floor starting to make them look pretty bad? Well, let's put the positive spin on this. Why not focus on what looks good and make them charming instead of fretting over the negative? We've got a fun, creative idea, painting floors that can really turn around the look of that tired hardwood. Now, you know, there are folks listening right now, Leslie, saying, painting a floor? Oh, no. Not for everyone. Why would I want to paint my beautiful hardwood floor? It's not for everyone, but if you're crafty, creative, looking for something different and very personal, it's for you. All right. And also ahead, one of the most popular outdoor projects is installing a paver patio or even a paver driveway. These are kind of like putting together a big jigsaw puzzle. They're a very fun project. We're going to have some tools, some tips, and some techniques that are going to make paving any surface that much easier. Ah, and here's the prize that could actually make it easier. We're giving away the Ryobi Air Grip Pro Cross Laser Level. You can't stick it to a wall in that project, but you can certainly draw out a laser line so you know everything is perfectly straight and square. It's worth 70 bucks, but it goes for free to one lucky caller. 888-666-3974. Let's get right to the phones. Who's first? Barbara in South Carolina is dealing with an oven issue. What's going on? Hi, Tom and Leslie. Uh, I discovered when I was fixing Christmas dinner that I seemed to be burning everything and okay. finally determined that my thermostat on my oven was broken. Now, I'm pretty handy with everything uh, and replace the eyes and so forth. Is there any way I can replace that thermostat? Uh, you absolutely can. It's not that terribly difficult to do. The The key here is, is getting the thermostat part itself. I'm going to recommend a website called repairclinic.com. And on that website, you can actually first select the brand of oven, and then you select the type of part. You select thermostat. And it sort of drills you down into the exact part that you need. And, and some of these thermostat parts are, you know, pretty expensive. I was looking on their site and it looks like anywhere from like four to, to 30 bucks for a thermostat. And they'll actually give you the step-by-step instructions on how to do it yourself, whether it's electric or gas. And that's good because those instructions are specific to your type of oven. So you'll really be skilled in, in, ta- in tackling this. Okay. That sounds good. $30 doesn't sound bad at all. Or, no, or even, it's cheaper even than a bit the, more. Cheaper uh, than hiring somebody to do it. 
I know, and then I priced a new oven, and I'm—I mean, a new stove, and I'm talking about like fifteen hundred dollars or something. So well, if you really great. want a new stove, Barbara, then you can use us as the excuse, okay? Okay. <laughs> Thanks so Thank much you for so calling much. us at eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. You know, Tom, when my husband and I lived in a rental apartment in Queens. Um, I was wondering why, you know, I'd bake an apple pie and like the crust would be like burnt in five minutes and the pie would be raw and like cookies were charred and, you know, things were just going totally bananas. And one day I opened up the stove, you know, I had it set at 350 and opened up the oven door and it was so hot it singed my eyelashes off. (laughs) And let me tell you, it took a long time for them to grow back to normal. Yeah, because without the thermostat working right, it's just on all the time. Everything, it was like at 500. I mean a turkey in like an hour like it was crazy oh, and man. you know it was the simplest repair but what a disaster you can definitely do it yourself barbara good luck with that project cal in pennsylvania needs some help with the tiling project what's going on i'm retiling my kitchen floor and <clears throat> when i took up the old floor i realized it was it was mounted on previous linoleum which was on top of particle board and what i'm looking to do is properly install tile without tearing up the particle board, and I want to get back to almost exactly the same height. If possible. Now, was the old tile directly on top of this linoleum that you uncovered? Yes, with inset okay. or some sort mm-hmm. of And it seemed it stood up okay, like it didn't crack or, or move or become loose? Was it pretty solid? There was one cracked tile. These, these were 6-inch right. right. tiles or 8-inch tiles. There was one cracked tile. It was cracked when I moved into the mm-hmm. house uh, three years ago, and I, I don't know what... Well, listen, one cracked tile is not much to worry about. While it's not technically the correct thing to do, your best bet is probably to put the put tile right back on the surface that you took it off of and to add some glue and use, use a thin-set material or, or a thin-set adhesive and try to re-glue right to that vinyl floor again. Now, if it it held up the first time, it's probably going to hold up the second time. Um, The best way to do this would be to put a tile backer, but you're concerned about the height, and I understand why. And, of course, you want to avoid going any deeper on the tear-out. But since it worked the first time, I think it'll be okay the second time. I would caution you, though, to not use a very wide tile because wide tiles are more unstable, and if there's any flex in that floor or anything that's uneven, you'll get more cracked tiles. But if you stick with something in that 8-inch area or smaller that you had, I think you'll probably be okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You are tuned to the Money Pit. Give us a call with your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Whenever that pipe breaks, we are there for you at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, tips to turn those old hardwood floors into a charming and welcoming part of your home. Once again, we'll tell you exactly how to do it next. Call Tom and Leslie. Money Pit. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high-efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to aprilair.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at one eight 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 Money Pit. And if the plan works as predicted, two things will happen. 
first, you'll get your answer, and second, you'll get a chance at winning a great prize because we're giving away a Ryobi Pro Cross self-leveling laser with air grip. Air grip allows this laser level to cling to walls and surfaces without leaving a mark. So it's got lots of great features, including horizontal and vertical and intersecting laser beams. It's going to help you make sure your home improvement projects come out on the straight and narrow. It's worth 70 bucks, but it could be yours if we talk to you on the air this hour. The number again is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Now, if you win that prize and you like this next idea, it's the great tool for you because you can use it to help lay out a perfect pattern for your painted floor project if this is something you're into. I'm telling you, it's not for everybody, but those of you who are adventurous to try, it could really look beautiful. We're talking about painting your hardwood floors, especially if you've got a hardwood floor that's really looking worse for the wear. It's pretty beat up. You could take the time and refinish it and revarnish it and do everything that you need to and start from scratch and have a great opportunity to keep that hardwood floor looking great or you could sand them down just a little bit and paint them it really gives your home a nice cottagey sort of seashore kind of feel if you go with beachy washy sort of colors or you could paint a border around your floor just for some interest even if it's just a stencil border or even you know how inlaid wood floors sometimes have a key pattern around it you can mimic that with paint so you don't have to go crazy or you can do a full harlequin pattern on the floor it's totally up to you if you're really feeling adventurous pick up some nice stencils or do some research at a rug store and paint a replica of a beautiful rug on your floor. The ideas are endless. Look through magazines, get ideas from all over the place. If you're feeling courageous, you can have your hardwood floor looking beautiful and charming in a weekend's work. 888-666-3974. Soup to nuts and floorboards to shingles. Call us right now with your home improvement question. Let's get back to the phones. Roger in Dallas-Fort Worth calling about a deck question. What can we do for you? I have cedar on my deck. Should I stain that or put a, a clear coat over that or not? Or just Absolutely. leave it natural? Stain it? Yeah, well, I you mean, should do put, something. Like a clear coat? You want to definitely put something on there because you need to protect it from moisture, from sun damage. So anything, and that's personal preference, whether you go clear coat or whether you go a solid stain or whether you go a semi-transparent stain. It's totally up to you for the aesthetics, but you definitely do need it to help protect your investment. Okay, well, thank you. Thanks so much, Roger. Mary in New Jersey has a question about moisture in the basement. What's going on? We were looking at a new house in northeastern Pennsylvania, which we both loved. Went back one day after a snowstorm, went into the basement, and uh, midline above grade in the basement on a poured concrete wall was uh, a lot of moisture. It was almost like somebody drew a line around, and it was wet from midline up. Some places were obviously looked like water. Um, Mary, what's causing that is condensation. The reason you didn't see any moisture from the midline down is because the soil on the other side of that wall acts as an insulator. But when the wall is fully exposed, it's going to be super cold. There was probably a lot of humidity in the home at that point in time. And so what you saw was condensation on the outside wall. Once the home is heated, once the basement is heated, or at least if there's a dehumidifier Mm -hmm. in there, then that's not going to happen anymore. That's not something I would worry about. Okay, and it was on on the inside wall, even, uh, and I was just trying to get it, uh, somebody told me it was a common problem, but uh, nobody could give me an idea of what excessive uh, would be. 
Well, if it's you said it's a solid concrete wall, those are very, very structurally stable walls. If you're not collecting water on the inside, I wouldn't worry mm-hmm. too much about it. But again, if you dehumidify the basement, then that's not going to happen anymore. It's a simple problem because of the exposed the, wall being so cold. Well, and also, like Mary had mentioned, you know, there was a substantial snowfall. So you're dealing with a lot of moisture right up against the home's foundation walls. So you're going to see that moisture wicking through the concrete just because of that moisture and the snow sitting right there. And as far as buying a new home, this would not be a big concern or considered a structural flaw? No, it wouldn't be to me. But before I bought a new home, I would have the home inspected by a professional home inspector. Oh, okay. Even if it's new. You can find one by going to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors, Mary. It's ASHI, A-S-H-I, dot org, A-S-H-I dot org. Those guys are the cream of the crop of the business. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Mary. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Dave in Utah's putting in a fireplace. How can we help? We have a uh, gas fireplace, and the gas fireplace is uh, is nice, but uh, it's one of those that has the exhaust that goes or the the vent that goes out the side of the house. And whenever it gets windy, um, it it makes some pretty loud noises. Um, it's like taking a, a a piece of sheet metal and bending it back and forth. Mm. Well, I'm not quite sure that there's a good solution for this because the the specifications for where those vents, you have what's called a direct vent fireplace. And by the way, we, we strongly recommend those over the ventless fireplaces that dump the combustion gas back in the house, which is pretty unhealthy for a bunch of reasons. Um, but in terms of the vented fireplace, the specific location of those is dictated by the manufacturer and, and absolutely no modification is permitted. So we can't even give you suggestions about, you know, maybe you can modify the vent so that it's shaped differently or diverting air differently. You just can't do that because that is all specified by the folks that uh, make these fireplaces. And if you change anything, you could potentially have an unsafe situation. Is it worth calling the manufacturer to see if there's like a flap or a something that can go on the outside that's activated when the fireplace is in use and therefore open, but, you know, closed in a situation where it's windy and clanging around? Um, certainly that would be the only way that you uh, that you should be comfortable making any modifications. So contacting the manufacturer is probably the first step. Explain the problem. Uh, chances are it may have happened to somebody else. They may already That's have a solution. That's why they moved. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> they may already have a solution for it. Okay, well, I will do that then. All right, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Kyle in Indiana is having a tile situation. What's happening? Hi, uh, yes, I have some uh, tile in my kitchen floor, and in a couple places the grout's starting to come up. Uh, when I bought the house, they did leave some tiles in a bag of grout. Can this just be filled in, or does it need to be uh, replaced or more extensive work done to fix this? Well, are you seeing actual damage to the tile, or is it just the grout is breaking up and sort of moving away? Just the grout is starting to come away in a couple places on a couple of the tiles. Well, I think that you certainly can mix up some of that grout, and it's great that you still have it. The one caution I would give to you is that even though it perhaps is the original grout and originally was the exact same... not going to match the wear and tear. Yeah, it was originally the exact same color. Uh, The existing grout, no doubt, has gotten dirty over the years. So when you first put it in, you may find that it's very obvious that it's a patch, but as it wears and as it gets dirtier over time and as you're washing the floor, it'll probably sort of melt right in there. So I think it's great that you have the existing grout. I would mix some up uh, to a paste-like consistency. I would go 
for sort of a toothpaste-like consistency and fill in those places. Make sure you get it as clean as possible before you do this, uh, and you should be good to go. All right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, Kyle. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Vicki in New Mexico is having some issues with the electronic furnace. What can we help you with? Well, I'm getting a recurrent uh, smell, bad smell, some fumes when the furnace blower cuts on. And I've had the local utility company here. They always check for carbon monoxide, which, of course, is odorless. They never find that. And they say they don't find any gas uh, source for the fumes, and they don't know what it is. Plus, uh, what's rather upsetting is I smell it because I'm here for an extended period of time. I've had a lady friend here. She smelled it, but when the pros come out and check, well... Where's the odor? Well, a couple uh, of things could be causing this, um, Vicki. Is, is this only happen on the initial startup, or do you pretty much smell it all the time? Uh, no, it's been going on since before Christmas. All right. Well, there's a couple of things that could cause this. First of all, we want to make sure your heating system is running safely, and if you've had the utility company check that, then I'm going to presume that it is running safely. Secondly, you could, and I hate to say this, but you could have something in your ducts like a rodent that died. And if that Which happens, could cause a similar smell. Yeah, it, it, that can cause a very, very similar smell. Pardon and me. How would anything get in the ductwork? That has been suggested, but how? Well, you know, I got to tell you, Vicky, a mouse only needs a really small space to get in, about like a the size of, an inch. of yeah, well, about the size of a, of a finger. I would say a little bit more than a quarter, but about the size of your finger, they can a mouse can squeeze in, and there's lots of gaps in ductwork. Believe me, so there are places that that rodents can get in. I would suggest that you have your duct system cleaned as a good next step. If we know the system is running safely, get the duct system cleaned, and that I think is going to take care of it. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. David in Kentucky, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes, I have a question on uh, putting a, a utility sink in my basement. I don't have a drain. Because you want to wash that dog? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's one thing I could do. I didn't even think about that. But I don't have a drain there. I just have a sump pump hole. Okay. <laughs> can I put my waste drain, drain it into the sump pump hole and have the sump pump pump that wastewater out. Well, let's just say that that is not technically correct, but I've seen it done. The better solution is something called a lift pump. And what that is, is it looks like about the size of a sump, maybe a bit smaller. And it's kind of like a sealed plastic bucket that is sort of underneath the utility sink. And what happens is it's float actuated. So as the water drains into this reservoir, a float comes on when the water gets to the top and kicks on a pump. And then it pumps the wastewater up high enough so that it could be drained into the main uh, drain waste vent pipe that's going out of the house. And that's right there. So that wouldn't be a problem. Are you talking about, I mean, how does it get into that pump? Well, it actually sits right on the floor under the sink. Okay. It's about the size of a, of a small trash can is kind of way to look, the way to describe it. I see. And not too hard to install and not terribly uh, complicated or expensive to buy. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I didn't even know such thing existed. Yep, it does. And you'll find that in a, in, online in a plumbing supply house or probably even a big home center. Okay. Awesome. Just describe what you want to do and they'll hook you up with the right parts. 
Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Up next, a do it yourself paving project just got way easier. We're going to have the tips, the tools, and the techniques you need to know to get the job done right. You live in a money pit. Money Pit is brought to you by Ream Water Heaters. For dependable, energy-efficient tank and tankless water heaters, you can trust Ream. Learn more at SmarterHotWater.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we've got a great idea for you guys. Pavers. Paver driveway, paver patio. In fact, if you're looking for some really eye-catching curb appeal, there's truly nothing that can kick it up a notch than a beautifully paved driveway or patio. They are so gorgeous. And there are so many different size, shapes, colors, and styles of paving stones that you can use in a lot of different patterns. It doesn't have to look like your neighbors. And what I like about it, it is a truly a do-it-yourself job. If you, let's just say that if you're a puzzler, you, know, you like it. doing puzzles, and you like doing home improvement projects, you can kind of put them together because that's how easy <laughs> This is the this perfect is. weekend for you. It is, exactly. And actually, the products are coming out now that are making it even easier. With us to talk about that is Frank Owens. He's with QuickCrete, and nobody knows concrete like the guys at QuickCrete. And they've been sort of following this trend and have some new products out that will make the project easier. Hey, Frank. Hi, how are you? We are excellent. So talk to us about the trends that you're seeing in pavers. Are these becoming more and more popular, more paver patios and, and paver driveways and, and fewer perhaps decks? Yeah, we're seeing that kind of trend, um, uh, and we've seen it for a number of years, where the, the typical do-it-yourselfer is willing to and interested in taking different paths and, and trying new and unique things. And decorative concrete and pavers, uh, adding color to uh, you know, backyards and walkways and that type of thing is really something that uh, is something they can accomplish. Um, you know, a family project or a single do-it-yourselfer can do it. And uh, it's, it's simple and as long as some basic steps are taken. And I think the really important thing and possibly, you know, the area that some people tend not to pay as much attention as they should is the base layout and the preparatory work. Because if that's not done properly, your entire paver situation could literally crumble underfoot. You know, Frank, uh, in all the years I spent before I got on the air, I was a professional home inspector, and I can't tell you how many badly installed paver patios I've seen that are all roly-poly, and the roots are coming through, and they just look terrible. But that's because people are not doing those base steps. So, so where do you, you begin? Know, the, the key is uh, really to plan ahead and um, you know, mark out the area that you're going to first apply your, your pavers and uh, you've got to remove the sod, and, and after that, and you really need to make sure that you leave um, and dig down about four inches deeper than you intend the base of your pavers to be, because um, as you mentioned, the sub-base for the pavers is the, the most critical uh, aspect as to whether it's going to be a satisfactory long-term uh, project. Uh, you, you want to go four inches deep uh, beyond the depth of the paver and use a compactable gravel or stone. And, and not just the sand. This needs to be a product that you can compact. Mm -hmm. And um, whether if it's a large project, I even recommend going to a rental yard and, and getting a, a uh, power compactor. That, One of those mechanical tampers? Exactly. And if it's a smaller project or you feel like you want to get a lot of exercise, you can use a hand tamper. <laughs> uh, That's um, the aerobic pavers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but a good four inches of compactable 
uh, crushed gravel. And, and that's the way you can tell it's, it's compactable is it, it's varying sizes all the way from very fine, dusty material to about maybe three-quarters of an inch and, and um, you know, fractured stone. And, and that will really give you a good, solid sub-base. And then you go ahead and put sand on top of that, correct? Um, yes, you can. Um, you know, if you've done a, a very good, solid uh, uh, compaction job. Oftentimes, you can just put the the paver right over top of it. But what what the sand will allow you to do is uh, gives you a little bit of leeway. You know, so you can pull some sand away or add a little bit more to get that flat. Because what you're going to want to do is, um, you know, you, you're going to want to make sure your your slab is level, um, unless it's up against a home. You want to make sure that it slopes away from the home. Mm. Right. Um, but uh, a good layer of pa- uh, patio paver base sand will allow you to kind of manipulate up and down pavers and add, add sand or subtract as necessary. We're talking to Frank Owens. He's a vice president with Quick Crete Companies. And Frank, when you get done with the base coat and then you have a, a thin layer of sand, you've got your pavers in and you have to put uh, then another type of sand on top of that. And you guys make one called jointing sand. How is that different from, say, the sand that's underneath or from any other type of, uh, say, playground type sand? Well, uh, typically, uh, the sand that you put between the joints and pavers uh, is a all the same gradation. It's a very fine, uh, consistent size. Where but this is just like the swept-in sand. That's, this is your final step, correct? That's correct. And we actually have two different varieties. We have a standard sand. Um, it's called jointing sand. It's a very fine sand. And we have a new product called Power Lock that's polymer modified that actually locks your pavers in place. But those sands differ in the size and that these are very consistent and very fine where your, um, you know, play sands and, and uh, all-purpose sands tend to have a wider uh, variation in uh, sand sizes. Well, what a great uh, spring project to, to tackle. Now, Frank, when you're done with uh, putting in the joining sand and the power lock sand, on an ongoing basis, is there additional maintenance that QuickRete recommends for paver patios? Well, on the on the power lock sand, um, this product is designed to sweep sweep the sand into the joints. Uh, you then mist the sand, and it locks it into place. It it actually the sand becomes um, you like know, a mortar. Very, very very exactly very firm, and. Um, what, the beauty of that, it will not only lock the pavers in place, but it'll prevent weeds from growing up or insects from coming up. And it's, uh, it is a natural polymer. It's actually an organic polymer that we use. And um, like if your pavers were to shift a little bit, the, the sand would actually remend itself so it doesn't form a crack. And it'll keep your pavers stationary in place. So all that work you did in com- doing the right compaction, you don't have to worry about water penetrating and getting down and eroding your sub-base. It just makes that project that much more uh, long-term and durable. If, say, you need to remove a paver at some point, maybe there's a stain on it you can't get out and you want to flip it over, is it possible to sort of break them apart? Oh, yeah. The, the power lock polymer sand, it really just... It bonds the sand together to, you know, it, it's not like a concrete. Okay. The Power Lock is a product that you don't really need to use only in a new installation. You, if you have a, a weathered patio and you're, you have grass coming up through it, I mean, it's a great aftermarket product. You just pressure wash it and you can put the, you know, the new sand in there. But it's, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not like a concrete. It's actually like a very, very firm gel 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's pretty neat stuff. That's a great product and a great idea. Frank Owens from QuickCrete, thanks for stopping by the Money Pit, filling us in on what it really takes to construct a paver patio today. If you want more information about QuickCrete, they have a great website, by the way, Frank, with fabulous tips. You guys did a really good job. If you need a, a tip on a masonry repair project, it is there at the QuickCrete site, and that's at QuickCrete, Q-U-I-K-R-E-T-E.com. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, Frank. That certainly should help make a lot of those paving projects stay through the long haul. All right, well, we know that the kitchen is a chore heavy room, but if you're doing all the heavy lifting in the kitchen, you're doing something wrong. We're going to tell you how to avoid stressing and straining next. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by RYOBI, manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI Power Tools, pro features, affordable price. Available exclusively at the Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Are you a brand new homeowner and wondering which end of the hammer is the bangy-bangy one? (laughs) We can help. Experts novices, do-it-yourselfers, direct-it-yourselfers, pick up the phone and call us right now at 888-MONEY-PIT because this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. I think the better notion for first-time hammer users, and I know that sounds crazy, but there are some out there, is, you know, how do you hold the hammer on the actual neck of the hammer? Some people really choke it right up underneath the metal end itself. You need to be relaxed with your hammer, folks. Make it an extension of your arm and enjoy it. Want some more fun tips? Give us a call throughout this hour at 888-MONEY-PIT and anytime you like. But if you call through this hour and you get your question on the air, you've got a great chance to be entered in our prize giveaway, which is the Ryobi Air Grip Pro Cross Laser Level. And I've got to look at a note to say that because there's so many big words. I know it's like a <laughs> tongue twister. It's worth 70 bucks. It will give you crisscross, vertical, crosshair, crazy laser lines. You can do just about any anything with it, but it could be yours for free. So give us a call at 888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. I love when you talk about the hammer as the extension of your arm. Is it true that you developed a Pilates exercise using the hammer? <laughs> I do all of my exercises with a variety <laughs> of tools. I'm one in Zen with my tool belt. Well, if you are doing some heavy lifting around your kitchen, you are probably having a bit too much exercise and could use some tips. There are actually several things that you can do to stop giving yourself such a workout. First of all, if you are tired of carrying pots full of water from the sink to the stove, you might want to think about installing a handy extra faucet called a pot filler faucet. It's a faucet that's installed right next to the stove. Or, in the alternative, just install an extra long hose to the sink sprayer. This way you can reach over to the stove and fill up the pots there. You don't have to move them because water's pretty heavy. It weighs about eight pounds per gallon. And also think about how much your garbage weighs and how much trash your family is generating on a weekly basis. I think it's something like 40 pounds for a family of four. Am I totally making that up? Why does that sound so familiar to me? So think about getting maybe a garbage disposal that can help you rinse some food waste down your sink. Even a trash compactor kind of smushes everything down and crushes down all of your non food waste into these tiny little cubicle packages that are all compressed and lightweight. Anything that you can do to help sort of compact, compress, and minimize the garbage that you're moving outside all week long will really help with your strain. Just make sure that you're not adding, you know, extra problems around the kitchen by putting all those switches in hard-to-get places. Make sure everything's accessible. If you think about a few changes that you can do to spruce up your kitchen, they'll keep you safe, too. 
888-666-3974. Call us right now with your kitchen makeover question. We can help you out. Leslie, who's next? Roy in North Carolina, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? Uh, I've got a seem like a dust problem. Okay. And uh, I don't know how I can tell it's whether really a normal amount of dust or I think it's a whole lot more dust than one person would normally have. I put a new eating system in, and I know the duct was supposedly sealed off. Is there any way I can measure the dust that I'm getting to determine if I'm getting maybe more than I should be getting normally? Well, you can't measure the dust, but you could have a, a duct test done where you can actually measure the amount of loss through the duct system to determine if it's uh, leaking or not. What kind of a filter system do you have on it? Is it a, like a thin fiberglass filter? No, I'm, not using, I'm using a white paper filter type. What, how big is it? Is it? Is it, it's a uh, 25 by 20 by one. Right, how th- by one? Okay, that uh-huh. that's what we call a pebble stop, okay? <laughs> okay. That, that's not a good, efficient filter. What I would recommend is something called a whole house electronic air cleaner. A whole house air cleaner can take out dust particles almost the size of virus particles. It is just incredibly efficient compared to the thin paper filters that you're using right now. Probably the best one, it was ranked tops by Consumer Reports for many, many years, is made by April Air. Their website is April, A-I-R-E, AprilAir.com. I think it's called Model 5000. We have one of those in our house, and I'm telling you, it made a huge difference. Oh, okay. Great. That'll be much more effective. That'll keep your house nice and clean. Okay, great. Now, thanks for the information. You're welcome, Roy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Yeah, when you use those thin fiberglass filters, they just don't do the trick. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, is the cold weather putting a freeze on your roof? Well, find out how to thaw out those frozen roof vents, or better yet, the kind that seem to let the snow snow right through and get into the attic. We'll tell you how to fix it next. You live in a Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. It's a great hour. It's a great idea because we make good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Scretti. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. And if you can't get through to us, we want to remind you that there are lots of great resources for you at moneypit.com. For example, do you want to know about the recently recalled products? It's all there for you at moneypit.com. How about some ways the government will actually pay you back for saving energy. That's waiting for you at moneypit.com and even some information about the laws that protect renters from the potentially scamming landlords out there. We will point you in the right direction at moneypit.com. Click on there today. And if you're on the website and suddenly have a question that you say, you know what, I don't feel like searching around. I want an answer to my specific question immediately. Click on the little icon that says Ask Tom and Leslie and email us your question and we'll get back to you right now this hour of the show where we always jump into our email bag and tell you exactly what's going on with you at your money pit. We've got one here from Herb in Grand Forks, North Dakota, who writes, I have frozen roof vents, and I'm looking for a product that will help keep them clear. That's going to keep me from having to climb up that snow-covered roof and do the job myself. Well, if uh, your roof vents are getting snow-clogged and the snow is getting into your attic, 
Um, there is a roof vent uh, from the Air Vent Corporation called Filter Vent that is specifically designed to prevent that from happening, Fred. It's sort of a mesh material that fits inside the vent itself. And without that, I've seen the attics actually fill up with snow. I saw an really? attic once. Leslie had a couple of feet in snow in it sort of under the vent area because it was just leaking right through. That's crazy. And there's no way you can just put a bend on it? No, because if the wind is right and the snow wants to get in there, it'll, it'll go right through. Yep. All right. We've got one here from Mark in Lakeville, Minnesota, who writes, We have a finished basement and the carpet over the concrete floor is feeling damp. We don't feel any water leaks, but we suspect that the main water pipe that runs under the concrete floor might be leaking. What's that about? Uh, first of all, don't put carpet on concrete floors in basements. Bad idea for all sorts of reasons. Basement floors are always going to be damp. They're always connected to the soil, so it's always going to be wet and damp. And what's going to happen? It's going to react with that carpet. The carpet is a great source of food, and you will grow mold and not be a happy camper. So, Mark, the first step, pull up that carpet. Use a different flooring. Use a laminate flooring. Use an engineered hardwood, but do not use carpet in a basement. Okay, so you say you got 50 bucks and a couple of hours of your time, and you want to make your kitchen look better? Great, because that's the topic of today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. That's right. This is a really fun and cost-effective idea. If you find that you've got a soffit in your kitchen, you know, that space between your cabinets that goes up to the ceiling, it could either be made of wood, it could be, you know, drywall, whatever it is, but you're dealing with the sort of blank space that just continues from your cabinets up to your ceiling. Well, why not think about dressing it up? You can use some molding or some wood appliques just to sort of finish it or tie everything together or just make a nice detail out of it. And if it's wood, stain it the same color as your cabinets. If it's paint, paint it the same color as the ceiling or go for a bright, fun color that really just draws the eye up. Whatever you can do to sort of boost the look of your kitchen and enhance those cabinets will help you extend the eye upward and make that room just look fresh and exciting, which is, of course, what you want for the spring at home. 888-666-3974. That number may be dialed 24-7-365. If we are not in the studio when you have a home improvement question, we will call you back the next time we are. And speaking of the next time, the next time on The Money Pit, we're going to tell you why it's really important to leave a paper trail. If you aren't sure you can do the job yourself, hiring a home improvement contractor could be a wise move, but just make sure keep good records of the job. We'll give you the step-by-step details on the records that you need to keep to have an adequate paper trail to make sure your project gets done perfectly on next week's program. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 